sometimes unconventional, but always entertaining. They're kooky and they're spooky. It's time to cross to the other side. Welcome to Spooky Sundays with Anne and Renata. Good evening, spooksters and all you paranormal weirdos who are just like us, the Darksiders, the Parastalkers, the Grand Poobars, and everyone that likes something that goes bump in the night. I am Anne. I am one of your radio hosts tonight on Spooky Sundays, and I am joined by... What's your name me, again? Me, me. What's your name? Renata Daniel. Um, Owner-operator of Newcastle Ghost Tours I'll have for a plug. Um, 13 years now, <gasps> battling on... Happy birthday. And, um, yes, battling on getting it done, keeping it real. We're bouncing. I've introduced a new word to our vocabulary. Instead of saying, I'm tired and I'm overwhelmed and I'm feeling anxious, we're just going to say, we're bouncing through the day. Okay, fair enough. It makes me feel better. Mm-hmm. So, I'm a year older. I had a birthday during the week. I'm oh. sure it was fabulous. And we are currently in Prague, in the Czech Republic. I think we have just been to the Sedlec Ossuary. Oh. oh. We're going to have so much to tell you when we get back. Oh, oh, my goodness. We've been into some catacombs, catacombs, whatever you want to call them. Uh, what else have we been to? Having a quick... Oh, the cat, cata, catacombs of Klatove. Klatove. Is that how we say it? I know. We've been to a water castle. Renata's been on a cruise. <laughs> That's going to be a journey in itself. I still can't believe you put your name down for that. Oh, look, it's a river cruise. What can go wrong? It's a river cruise. Yeah, the, I, that, look, that it's not me is, that gets seasick. That boat is flat. It's a river cruise. If I see, if I even see a wave. Yep, you're not getting I'll, on. I'll, yeah, I'll, I won't get on. All right. I'll, I'll, and I, I think we're actually off to Huska Castle tomorrow. Very nice. We, we can see the devil's pit. <laughs> Bottom hole. <laughs> All right. Do you have a story for us this evening, I Renata? I do, and I've been hanging on to this story for a couple of weeks. It's, Speaking it's, of bottom it's holes. Been, it's been around for a little while. This is from hickeypop.com. Fabulous website, hickeypop.com. Com if you're looking for all information about weird and wonderful stuff and hauntings and everything. And this story is actually um, about a gentleman who went into the ancient Ram Inn, which we have been to. Yes, we have. And he decided that he would do something quite interesting um, to uh, get the ghosts to come through. Get the spirits to come through. Encourage them to come forward. Encourage them, yes. And so he stripped off for the ghosts. I thought he was trying to get them to come in. Well, yes. So let me let me tell you about this. So the ancient Ram Inn is in the Gloucestershire village of Wooten under Edge. Most terrifying night drive of my life, yes. (laughs) And is said to be one of the most haunted buildings in the UK. It has become an iconic location for members of the public wanting to get a taste of ghost hunting. However, 
But few would strip to their birthday suits in an attempt to communicate with the other side. Oh, I don't know. But, I think I know a few that would. Mm, but that's what I did for a moment in my new paranormal documentary, my ghost hunting movie. So not me, but I was about the, the, to say, the person who writes this story. All right. right? So I, I, I wouldn't be stripping off for anyone. So. They are after. They're, they're trying to find a new way to get the clicks. That that sounded really wrong. You know how people are you know, cl- crying demons and ghosts and all that sort of thing? He's going for the naked angle. Well, it's... No, look, let me explain why. Okay, okay, okay. Sorry, I'm just getting all excited. I was given the opportunity to spend the night completely alone at this historic pub, which closed its doors to drinkers in 1965. <coughs> Being on my own in the building overnight gave me the chance to conduct some experiments that wouldn't usually be possible during a public ghost hunting event. Mm, That is so true. Before embarking on my night-long lock-in, I spoke to Barry Dodds, a well-known paranormal investigator who visited the ancient Ram Inn while filming the Parapod movie to get some advice. The comedian advised me to try to sleep in the building, specifically in the bishop's room, to make myself more vulnerable and to uh, and open to potential encounters with the supernatural. Right. right. Okay. Barry said, try making yourself completely vulnerable and you can't <coughs> be more vulnerable than when you are asleep. This is true. This is one thing that always used to worry me, that when you sleep, you you can't protect yourself or those around you. No. Yeah. All right, how do you get around but that? He, he decided to make himself even more vulnerable while he was asleep. So he says, that got me thinking, can't you be more vulnerable than when you sleep? Mm, what about standing in an unfamiliar room with your trousers around your ankles? I'd say that's a good way to make yourself vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So that's what I ended up doing just after midnight. I decided to conduct this experiment in the bishop's room, a part of the former inn where visitors have reported encounters with what the building's former owner, John Humphreys, described as a sex demon. Oh, it's all starting to come right. together now. Remember the bishop's room? Yes. We were up there. I don't know which one was of course worse, the, the uh, bishop's room or the witch's room. Of course the uh, sex demon would be in the bishop's room, wouldn't of it? Of course. I'm going to blame that on all the naughty things <sighs> they've done. Some claim that this demon is a male entity known as an incubus that preys on women, while others believe it is a female counterpart called a succubus that seduces men. It could be both, couldn't it? It could be both. Could be. A shape shifter. It could be a they, them. They might not want to be known as either, either or. Carolyn, John's daughter, explained to me before my night in the inn that it seems to be one demon that changes sex depending on its prey. Well, there there you you go. go. (laughs) There you go. But could I tempt this demon to show itself by making myself an easy target? (laughs) I hope it wasn't cold. Oh, look, I tell you, this picture is just joyous. I'm going to put it up on um, our Facebook page so people can see it. Okay. The inn is rigged with night vision CCTV cameras oh, to capture paranormal activity 24-7. So I needed to find a dead spot, a part in the room where there was no security camera footage. Well, that's stupid because... Well, no, so that 
the people watching the CCTV can't see him naked. Yeah, but they're also going to miss out if anything well, attacks really. him. Well, if no, anything I, I, attacks him, they won't see it. it He'll be standing there off in the corner going, oh, I'm being attacked. And I think he go, was filming himself. But he was out of the, the range of the hotel's cameras so that they didn't have to watch him with his willy. You've and if seen, it was cold, they I, wouldn't have seen much. I've seen one, seen them all. I deemed a spot <laughs> next, <laughs> next to the bedroom door to be safe. Here I was hidden from the wall-mounted camera by the open door between us. So in total darkness, I unbuttoned my shirt and I threw it on the bed. Da, da, then da, being careful of my da, lapel da, microphone da, da. that was looped around my neck, I lifted off my T-shirt. So how did he clip that on? Finally, da, after da, pulling da, my mic pack out of da, my pocket, da, da, I dropped da, my jeans to my pull, ankle, da, leaving da, me standing da, in the ancient ramming completely naked. I called out to any spirits da, or sex demons da, da, that might be da, watching. I'm vulnerable now. Are you going to do something to me? Take me. Take me. I continued to call out to the empty room, encouraging any entities to confront me. I did feel uneasy being naked in an unfamiliar environment, but I can't say I was scared or felt threatened by the situation. I was exposed and vulnerable for a few minutes before deciding that the ghosts of the ram had probably had enough and got dressed again. The experimentally <laughs> ultimately experiment ultimately yielded no unexplained activity. Now, listen here, matey. A few minutes isn't going to be enough. You are going to have to stand there naked or lie down on the bed with your naked butt yep. and encourage, yeah, encourage the sex demon. You think you're that smart that you're just going to walk in, drop your pants and they're going to go, oh, oh yes. Penis. I oh, must have it. I must. No, 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 no. Oh, look, I, I give him 10 out of 10 for trying. He says, although the bed was surprisingly comfortable, I can't say I had the most restful night's sleep in the bishop's room. I, did have an, I didn't have any erotic dreams or nightmares. Oh. I'm pleased to report no nocturnal emissions whatsoever. <laughs> Those sticky sheets. Oh. <laughs> oh. That, that was too much information. Okay. Um, John, do I have time to read on or do I? Well, do you have enough to do a second bit? No, I don't. Oh, okay. Well, you better quickly finish this one off then. Okay. It just, he just says, my strip tease wasn't the only ex- unusual experiment I conducted while I was oh, at the inn. Bet. I also set up some DJ decks. DJ, like it's in... D- DJ decks <laughs> in the women's room and played some music for the played ghosts of beats. the inn. Having the entire building to myself for a whole night put me in a unique situation, meaning I could pretty much do what I wanted. Mm. I went back to basics and just sat in the dark and in naked. set up trigger objects with static cameras and then locked down the building and left for a period of time trying various approaches and methods of communication. He has written a book about his experiences and a new paranormal film, My Ghost Hunting Movie. There you go. Oh, good on him. Oh, look, he's trying something new. I know that we've been into Maitland Jail and uh, I know some of our team members may have said, I'll flash bits to you if you uh, make a noise for us. Um, mm. So who knows? If it yes. works, it works. But would you? Would you? Send us in a message and tell us, would you? How far would you go? Yeah, would you drop your Dax in a place um, that is strange to you? Yeah. Um, because you're trying to hunt ghosts. Yeah. All right, we're going to head off to a song. We'll be back after this. You're listening to Spooky Sundays with Anne and Renata on Newcastle Live. And we're back with 
the ABC of mythical creatures, and we know how much Renata loves no, this ABC no. selections. And we're, we're trying to warm you up. You've been getting there. What are we doing now? Well, we're on J, apparently. J, I hope okay. I've got all my, my alphabet lined up. I know we got a little bit screwed up with our uh, Ireland and UK trip, mm-hmm. uh, but I think we're back on track, and it should be J. Mm-hmm. And we came up with, well, I came up with gin. Now, interestingly, you can spell gin two different ways. Well, actually three if you think of the alcohol as well. But this is J-I-N-N and the other way to uh, say it is D-J-I-N. Uh, and she's already yawning. Yep, she's that yep, bored yep. with it. <laughs> <laughs> no, this should be good. I like the gin. You like the gin? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, uh, I've actually turned to the Encyclopedia of Occultism and Parapsychology for mm-hmm. this one. Mm-hmm. These books were given to me by Jenny, I think. So thank you, Jenny. Um, and look, we'll, we'll head on in and let me know what you think. Right. So this is an Arabian spirit, perhaps animalistic now, I, I always think of, you know, uh, genie. Yes, when I dream of genie. I dream of genie, that sort of thing. But there is a distinction between the two, which I will go into. Um, probably more mythological. Uh, the jinns are said to have been created out of fire and occupied the earth for several thousands of years before Adam. Oh, okay. I don't know. Before the, Adam? Before Adam. Wow. I don't think the Bible's going to be happy with that. No. Because no. there was nothing before Adam. Nothing existed except a lovely a- garden. Apparently. Yes. Um, they were perverse and would not reform, although prophets were sent to reclaim them. They were eventually driven from the earth and they took refuge in an outlying island out on the sea. Now, one of the number of them was named Azazel. Now, I remember that name. Yes. I've heard Azazel from mm-hmm. somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, had uh, Sorry, I'll just go back. One of the number named Azazel had been carried off as a prisoner by the angels. Really? Well, according to this Encyclopedia of Occultism and Parapsychology or whatever it was, um, he grew up amongst the angels and became their chief, but having refused when commanded to prostrate himself before Adam. Are we getting... Uh, Oh, hold on. Yes, I know. Adam apparently was very important before the Bible started. Oh, okay. Yeah. He was degraded to the condition of a shaitan. And became the father of the shaitans or the devils. Oh. So you know who that is. As a zeal, he must be Beelzebub. Satan. Mm. Satan. <laughs> now, the jinns are not immortal and destined ultimately to die. They eat and they drink and they propagate, yes, shall we say. Yes, choose uh, your words wisely. They, they live in communities and are ruled, ruled over by princes. From where? I don't know. They just said princes. They can make themselves visible or invisible and assume the forms of various animals such as serpents. Mm-hmm. Oh, Oh, yes. Oh, I feel a a revenge story coming on here with Mm -hmm. the serpent, Mm -hmm. with Adam. Mm -hmm. Um, Cats and dogs. There are good gins and bad gins. Mm -hmm. They like to hang around in baths. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just imagine yourself having a nice bath and all of a sudden this head pops up and goes, Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, they'd hang out in wells, mm-hmm. ovens, ovens. Ruined houses, rivers, crossroads, marketplaces, and latrines. Oh, God. That'd be even like, more of a shock. They, they, You're on the pooper and you go, oh, oh, okay, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, like the demons of the Jewish tradition, they ascend to heaven and learn the future by eavesdropping. So they can't get through the gates by the sounds of it, but they hang around by the gates trying to find out bits and pieces of what's going to happen in the future. I didn't know that's where you got that from heaven. Maybe um, somebody should tell the people of the Bible because they don't like psychics oh, and, I know. and that sort of thing I who know. who predict the future. I know. I'm getting a bit tangled did, here. Did they, did they take all of that Bible information from earlier texts of something, did I don't they? No. It's all very... Odd, isn't it? It is. All right. So, but with all their power and knowledge, they are liable to be reduced to obedience by means of talisman or occult arts Mm -hmm. and become uh, servants until the spell is broken. So that sounds more like the genie in a bottle. Yes. But there is still a difference. So the genie uh, sort of was familiar to people from the Arabian Nights, but they're not the same beings um, as the jinn. The principal differences uh, between the genie of the West and the jinns of the East seem to have been as follows. The genie were deities of an inferior rank, the constant companions and guardians of men capable of giving useful or prophetic impulses, acting as a species of mediators and messages between the gods and men. It's a bit like spirit guides. Yes. Some were supposed to be friendly, others hostile. And many believed one of each kind to be attached from his birth to every mortal soul. Yes, see? Yeah. Spirit guides. Wow. Isn't it interesting? Mm. Um, I can't say those words and I don't even want to because I'm going to, um, you know, stuff it up. Uh, so the the good genies obviously prompted men to be good. The evil ones were telling them to do bad things. That sounds like the little devils and angels on your shoulders yes, now. Yes, yeah. Uh, that each... Sorry, each uh, right, okay. Um, often he was represented as a serpent. Mm-hmm. His age was also varied. This is the naughty one. He was uh, generally crowned with a chaplet of plain leaves. Yeah. Mm, it's getting more and more interesting. Uh, what else can I find on here? There's something about... Uh, mm, let's, all right. His sacrifices were wholly bloodless, consisting of wine and flowers. Oh, I like that. And the person who performed the oblation was the first to ta- taste the cup. Hang on, what are they doing? They poop in a cup. <laughs> Man, when you're a blater, isn't it <coughs> getting rid of something? Mm, I don't know. <laughs> um, <clears throat> all right, so uh, I think we're on to the good one here. They're talking about he's seen with his right hand placed on an altar. Uh, and on their left hand, they're holding some sort of scourge. Now, that sounds familiar as well. One hand on the altar and one hand holding a whip. What is that? 
Yeah, does that tickle your a memory in your mind as well? No. No. Oh. <clears throat> so Sorry. after they've so pooped in the of, cup and game somebody's of Thrones thing or I don't something? know. Uh, pooped in the cup and someone's had a Is first taste. Pooped in the cup. Oh. He was adored with prostrations, particularly on his birthday, um, which was always a special occasion. The Roman men swore by their genies, the women their Juno, uh, and the reigning prince was an Oath of extraordinary... I don't understand that bit. That's all a bit much. The djinns, on the contrary, who seem to be lineal descendants of the devates and the rakshasas of the Hindu Hindu mythology, were never worshipped by the Arabs, nor considered as anything more than the agents of the deity. Since the establishment of Mohammedanism... They're going to come for me now, aren't they? They're going to find me and kill me. They do. They have been described as invisible <coughs> spirits and their feats and deformities, which figure in romance, are as little implicitly believed by Asiatics as the tales of King Arthur's Round Table are by the Westerners. They are. So it's sort of that level of belief system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Their existence as superhuman beings was maintained by the Muslim doctors but they had little connection with their characters and functions as delineated by the poets. That's very complicated. It is. But I remember them, because I read the Rosemary Ellen Guiley book, and that's a whole book. I couldn't summarise that. Mm-hmm. But that she said that the jinn live in the space between. So uh, if you think of... Uh, everything is molecules that are vibrating, bouncing off each other. Uh, Even solid things like tables or computers, they're all Mm -hmm. made up of molecules. Well, the space in between these molecules is where the gin live, Mm -hmm. in the space that we can't see. Mm -hmm. I always found that fascinating. Mm. Are we any the wiser on gin now or are we just more confused? More confused. Fabulous. I'm going to leave you with that. (laughs) Yeah, because um, you kind of thought about – you're always told that gin are evil and you shouldn't have anything to do with them. You shouldn't try and um, talk to them or – There are good and bad ones. Yeah, well, who knew? Yeah. Well, there you are. We have learned something new. All right, we'll head off to a song and we're going to be back with some more juicy stuff shortly. Spooky Sundays with Anne and Renata on Newcastle Live. Hello, hello, hello and welcome back everyone to Spooky Sundays. What a show and listen, we're not finished yet. Anne is now going to tell us a fabulous story. What is this about, Anne? Well, this is uh, heading into the land of the Czech Republic and I... I was trying to find some stories relating to the areas that we're in now. So I'll try and turn myself around so I can see Annie Nada. She likes to look at me when I read to her. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a story about an en- enigmatic secret of the Czech Randells. Mm-hmm. Sounds good, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Deep in the heart of Prague, a stitty, stitty. <laughs> going to go well. A city steeped in history lies a hidden treasure. So they've got all these beautiful cathedrals and the medieval square that captivates you, but there is something far more ancient and mysterious. Mm-hmm. Imagine a structure older than the Great Pyramid of Giza, silently nestled 
on the outskirts of Prague. These structures are known as roundels and emerge from the mist of time, whispering secrets to those who dare to uncover them. Built by the ancestors, the people of the New Stone Age, they were masterpieces of their time. But what purpose did they serve? Why were they constructed with such precision? And what happened to the builders? So we're talking about something that looks similar to the Stonehenge, but a bit smaller. Okay. Um, we'll, we'll put a picture up. Archaeologists have tirelessly studied these circular enclosures, trying to unlock the ancient secrets. The roundels a series of circular ditches, apparently, I'm looking at the wrong picture, uh, stand on the oldest evidence of architecture in the whole of Europe, ranging from 30 to 240 metres in diameter. They were monumental. I've got to go back and find a picture of this now because I think I was looking at the wrong thing. There it is there. So uh, they've got it fenced off with some, um, you know what that reminds me of? That sort of um, the hill of Tara, mm-hmm. how they've got ditches and things like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I've lost my spot now. <clears throat> so we've got the circular ditches uh, ranging 30, 30 to 240 metres in diameter. They were monumental undertakings uh, for people who only had stone and bone tools at their disposal. So you can't help but marvel at the the sheer size of the structures still remarkably preserved after 7,000 years. The roundels were the gathering place of our ancestors where communities came together to celebrate, trade or perhaps partake in mysterious religious rituals. Very much like the Hill of Tara then. Yeah. But this is where the mystery is going to deepen. In the blink of an eye, the roundels were abandoned as if something cataclysmic had occurred, forever altering the fate of their builders. The dinosaurs oh, arrived. That's it. There was a comet. The, the alien spacecraft landed. Uh, scholars and investigators speculate on the reasons behind the sudden change, but they don't really know what the answer is. So could it have been a shift in their society and the way they believe things, rendering the roundels no longer useful in the eyes of the people who made them? Or perhaps there was some sort of big event that happened? They were lost at a time? A festival. They had a party. A Glastonbury festival. (laughs) That's what it was. Um, But whatever the... But we may never know what actually caused them to leave, but the answers will lie within the shadows of the ancient walls. We could do some glass dowsing and work it out for them. Okay. I think we could do that. Some theories suggest that the roundels were on economic centres, bustling hubs of trade. Others propose they were sacred sites where we had the um, rites of passage, uh, turning of the seasons, which is very similar to England mm-hmm. and Ireland. Mm-hmm. And again, Hill of Tara mm-hmm. and... The Stonehenge and all of that. Uh, Right, in the quest for understanding, we turn to the stroked pottery culture. Stroked pottery culture. Okay. They stand around stroked pottery. It sings to them. That's no. feel good. Uh, known for their distinct pottery vessels adorned with zigzag patterns. Were they the masterminds behind these enigmatic structures? Did they possess a knowledge lost to us, leaving behind fragments of pottery and their ingenuity? Yeah. 
Amazing. I like, oh, no, I feel like I'm really stretching this story. As we delve into the mysteries <laughs> of the roundels, one thing becomes clear. The ancient past holds untold wisdom waiting to be unravelled. The carbon dating of organ- organic materials found at these sites may offer glimpses into the lives of our ancestors, shedding light on their origins, their journeys and their ultimate disappearance. But let us not forget the eerie parallels that history sometimes draws with our present. Could the abandonment of the rondels hold a lesson for us? As we face our own challenges and uncertainties, we must heed the warnings of the past and ensure that we do not become lost to time. How can we learn from the the problems of our past if they don't know what happened? That's true. I know. That, like, we can just make shit up and go, you know... So, um, but we can the actually. The Great Flood must have just destroyed them all. Yeah, we. Um, well, you don't know it. Just like Fanny's nightclub was abandoned here, you just don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you just don't know what goes out of popularity. I'm sure, people know what happened to Fanny's then, nightclub. If you do, let us know. And uh, rumors. <laughs> don't forget rumors. Oh, rumors. Rumors was never going. That was never going to work. Oh, I don't know. I liked it there. It was never going to work. It was, it was out- too upmarket. It was outside rumours that Roman held my hand for the first time and mm. I went, <gasps> and the earth shifted. But you were only 16 or something. I was 17 by the time I was there. Oh, right. Yeah, right. That's that still underage. <laughs> Shh. You don't talk about these things, Renata. Uh. Yeah, so there are some pictures there, a reconstruction of a circular ditch. So they're doing re- reconstructions as well. But these things are older than the pyramids. We've been to some of the uh, cans in Ireland that are way older than the pyramids. Mm-hmm. And as we know, the Stonehenge is older than the pyramids. Mm-hmm. Hill of Tara. So many places we have been that are older than us. Yes. <laughs> but... <coughs> <coughs> oh, look, I know this is this historic, Sorry. but it's it's a ditch. It's a, but did you it's, feel it's, something when you went to these historical places? Did you get the vibes of the land? This is radio. We can't pull faces. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been to Egypt. I think Egypt would be very spectacular. You didn't feel anything no, vibrationally at the Hill of Tara? Not really, No. No. You just suck, that's all. <laughs> you obviously don't have the gift no, and you can't sense these I things. I know. I know. Uh, I've been up into a vortex in Sedona, mm-hmm. which was on the top of a butte or a butt, whatever you want to call it. Mm. Did you feel anything? No. <laughs> I, no felt, well, just I felt scared just... that I had to climb back down the, the bloody rock to get down the ground. I sat on my ass and slid all the way back down. Jenny yeah. was in a sundress and flip-flop, so... <laughs> Um, yeah, we, we were not prepared. Not. And the Australians up the top, they're going, ah, oh, well, this is nice, isn't it? Look at that. And these people are sitting there cross-legged going, um. <laughs> That'd be the Australians. <laughs> yeah, look at that. Oh, yeah. Geez, I can see all the way from a butthole to my eyebrow from here. <laughs> oh, oh, no. We need to go to a song. <laughs> all right. We'll be back with absolute more gold straight <laughs> after this. Spooky Sundays with Anna Renata on Newcastle Live. This true ghost story comes from a writer who wrote into Reddit, and this is how it goes. When I was eight, I would walk home from school every single day. It took me about 10 minutes. 
I would be home by myself every day for about an hour and a half before my parents came home and my older brother went to a different school, so he was always late home as well. I was used to this alone time. I'd sink into the couch and watch cartoons before my family came home and took over. I actually really enjoyed the alone time. I was raised in a very Christian home and was very sheltered. I would get into trouble watching Power Rangers sometimes because the bad guys were so evil. I remember being taught that after you die, you either go to heaven or hell. You don't get a say whether you're going or not. So that means that there is no such thing as ghosts. Or so I thought. One day after school, I came home to the same routine. But this time, standing in the corner, was a dark figure. The height of the doorframe, and it was staring at me. It looked like the textbook Grim Reaper minus a scythe. It had a long black tattered robe and skeletal features showing. The most disturbing thing was its grin. It looked like a skeleton, but it wore a long grin. Keep in mind I had never heard of The Nightmare Before Christmas or anything else I could relate to it. Of course I startled by seeing such a horrific sight, but I literally didn't believe what I was seeing. I remember saying out loud, wow, my imagination is really jacked up. I would just keep calling myself a stupid little kid with a stupid little imagination. It helped me to make sense of what I was seeing and it made it easier to deal with because I could see a ghost. But remember, there's no such thing. It had to be my imagination. I saw it every day after that. It would never say a word. But if I looked at it, it would lean its head at me as if to say, I see you too. It always left when my family came home. But I saw this thing every day for three months straight. It started to get more aggressive the more comfortable I became. I questioned my sanity every day, just telling myself that it just didn't make sense. I'm seeing a ghost. But how? Because ghosts aren't real. I would say I don't believe in ghosts, but that's what I was taught. But I'm still seeing a ghost. I don't understand anything. And as the days went by, I became more and more scared of it every day. This thing started cutting me off. I would be so uncomfortable that I would go into my room upstairs. It would move slowly, as if underwater, and then quickly zip as if it teleported onto the stairway, leaning over the staircase, while looking me in the face to block me from going to my room. I was stuck to my little corner of my couch with the smiling skeleton that wanted something from me. The best way I could relate to how it moved was like the ghosts from the movie 13 Ghosts. That was actually pretty spot on. I never told my parents or anyone else what I was seeing. I was afraid my parents wouldn't believe a stupid little kid. And honestly, I was afraid of getting into trouble. My brother would just call me gay and tell everyone to make fun of me. One day, I slowly walked home with about six inches of snow on the ground. I came home and this thing, like every day, was waiting for me. I sat on the couch in fear, like always. This time it zipped in front of my face and took its hands and shrouded them over my face as if it wanted to grab me and then zip back. For the first time I screamed as loud as I could and ran outside. 
my parents came outside to me crying, sitting in the snow. My parents asked me what was wrong and the first thing I said was, I know, I'm a stupid little kid with a stupid little imagination and you're never going to believe me. After I told my parents, I expected them to look at each other in disbelief and make me look under my bed for monsters. They turned to each other and said in a stern voice, Why didn't you tell us? That scared me more than they knew because they sounded like they knew something. My parents have never told me anything that would scare me before, but my parents told me the God-honest truth as if I was grown up. They told me that the people that lived in the house before us had a little girl that was demon-possessed in our house and took her own life. And now the demon wanted me. My parents immediately poured baby oil into a cap They prayed over it and put a dab of it in the shape of a cross over every door and window in the house. After that, I saw it outside my kitchen window looking in. That is the first time I saw it outside. Then a week after that, and two weeks after that. But then, I never saw it again. Whether anyone believes me or not isn't important. Whether it was my crazy eight-year-old brain, like I thought. But I know what I saw, and I saw it for three months straight. No one can take that from me. It's time to cross back to the other side. Welcome back to Spooky Sundays with Anne and Renata. Welcome back to the studio, everyone, and it is the second hour of our fabulous Spooky Sunday show, and that means that we are going to be speaking to our creepy cousin, Steve, in his creepy corner with a new story. Uh, Look, it's going to be really hard, Steve, for you to beat anything that we did last week, but, you know, we're going to give it a crack. Look, we're going to try. And I I really don't know how. And did everyone enjoy the YouTube? (laughs) I hope you all enjoyed it because um, it was a lot of fun. We'll do anything. Yeah, and anything for views, except say there's a demon when there isn't one. Anyway, over to you, Steve. You never know, we might have caught one in that footage. You don't know unless you check it out. That's true. That is true. I did have impressions while I was there, I did feel <laughs> I someone imagine. was going to come out with a knife in their back and maybe someone in the house was having a heart attack while we were there. And oh we've left, gosh, going to we've inherit. left the scene. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, never what, what are you doing for this week? So this week, we're going back to the movies. Back to the movies because we loved our chop tops so much last time. We did. We did. We're going to buy some Maltesers, maybe some Jaffas to roll down the aisle. Do you... Um, Put your salty popcorn in the ice cream. And I don't. I don't get I that. Love it. I'm just. I am pretty plain. I don't put Maltesers in my popcorn. I don't do any oh, no, of that. I don't do that. I like the salty with the um, cold sweet. I must mm. say, do you know what's quite good? If you go, uh, have you been to a? You would have been to the cinemas overseas in America. Oh yes. Get that butter. Oh, oh. get and that butter on that popcorn. It's real, real artificial butter. That's good. <laughs> And you're like, oh, yeah, I can feel my <laughs> arteries hardening as the and movie it, goes along. It's really yellow. Yeah. Really, really yellow. <laughs> oh, yeah. Quite disturbing. Ew. But this week's movie is Homegrown. Homegrown and being called the scariest movie ever. Homegrown. Like, like ever, ever, ever? Ever, ever, ever. This movie is called Talk to Me. And it is an Australian production. 
very mm. interesting. So it's made by the Philippu brothers who found their notoriety slash fame by making YouTube shorts. That's I reckon that's how we're going to be discovered for that last week's episode. So I'm going to see that. Our then- shorts on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> so they were they um gradually made they did special effects, practical special effects in their little YouTube shorts and gained a cult following. This is their debut movie and they have gone horror and it is capital H horror. This movie actually had its premiere at Sundance Ooh. and has done quite well. It has a at the moment it has a Rotten Tomato score of ninety seven percent. Oh my wow. god. That is huge. Wow. That yeah. is huge. So um They would have all sat down and gone Huge. Yeah, Rotten Tomatoes is a is a review aggregate site, so it re- it gets everyone's reviews and gives a general score, kind of like you know we were talking about random audit. It's another yes. aggregate kind of thing. Yeah. But for out of sixty two critics, it got a ninety seven percent view. That's pretty amazing. It says it has a gripping story and impressive practical special effects. So, Would you it, like to know a little bit yeah, more it, about it, the story? It kind of, I guess, suggests that some of the things that happen look so real. real. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so here's the premise. When a group of friends discover how to conjure spirits using an embalmed hand, they become hooked <gasps> on the new thrill until one of them goes too far and unleashes terrifying supernatural forces. Well, they've based that on, on um, myth and legend that is around, mm. that, that was thought of as being something that you could do mm. using an embalmed hand, using a dead man's hand. Yeah. Mm. They use dead man's hands for many, many... <laughs> <laughs> By the way, we're sharing a microphone, so it's really difficult for us to play like, talk sexy at one whispering time. to each other. It's, it's um, a nef- nefarious things with dead man's hands. Um, yes, but this yeah, conjuring the dead. Now, what we're going to do is we might even link the trailer because this movie will be out by the time this goes to air. So Ooh. it's uh, yeah, it's coming out. It's making its debut. There's early screenings on the fourteenth. But it is due out theatrically. Oh, that's hard to say. Theatrically in Australia on the twenty seventh of July. It is coming. And oh it yes, right. We'll still be overseas at that stage. Yes, Ooh. but it, if you watch the trailer, it gives you a very good idea of what to expect. It looks intense. It looks creepy, and I think it's a great addition to Australian <laughs> horror, which we don't. Do yeah, a lot yeah. of, but when we do it, we, we do it well. Um, do we know any of the uh, actors? They are, they're not well, well-known people. It was kind of, this is, um, so Sophie Wilde is the female lead. Um, Zoe Teretzakis, you would know. Miranda Otto is in it, Ooh, in, ah, a, yes. in a part. Uh-huh. So, yeah, there's there's some people that we know, but it's um, it's more about, you know, giving life to the industry. It's a Screen Australia concepts, you know, all brought to life in conjunction with South Australian Film Commission and Adelaide Film Festival Fund. So it is well and truly homegrown, homemade. Uh, we should probably make you watch the trailer and do a reaction. Well, I've, I've got it right here if you want us to watch it. Yeah, let's watch the trailer and all see right. what you think. All right, so I've got this up on IMDB and uh, I'm just going to put it on here. So we won't get in trouble for copyright or anything like that because it's a, a trailer. Oh, I've just got to turn the sound up because, you know, we, we do want to hear what's happening. Hello? You want to turn, eh? My mum leaves at nine. So, so you're at ten. 
So we've got uh, two school children, and um, oh, they've got a white embalmed hand, and one of them's held the hand, and her eyes are gone black, and they seem to be oh, they all seem to be getting possessed. <gasps> black eyes. Oh, got, yeah, they're all they're having a few drinks. The dog's been put outside. At least they're protecting the dog. That's really weird. Okay. Talk to me. And he gets possessed. Oh, oh. Oh, they're saying naughty words. We're going to be in trouble. Um, okay, teenagers getting freaked out. Uh, now they're trying to bash through a door. Uh, and they're succeeding. Oh, okay, they've done the, the age-old problem of they've opened the door but not closed it when they're finished. They're all being possessed. Uh, the eyes are going black or white. Why are they oh. taking their hand everywhere oh. with them? That's what I want to know. I don't think they're meant to be. Why wouldn't you just chuck that hand away? Oh, dear. Oh, yes, oh. she's definitely possessed. Oh. I don't oh. know. Watch, I don't the, watch know. the road. Watch the road. <laughs> Oh, is that urine? Oh, that turned nasty, whatever was in there. It was oh, a hospital oh, bag. Oh, 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 oh. And she's laughing hysterically as somebody's getting hurt. Oh, yes, they've got scissors in their hand and a oh, kangaroo. Oh, no. There's a kangaroo with blood. Oh, that, that hand is really scary. Talk to me. Wow. Oh, and the dog's now crying oh. at the door. Oh, it wow. Good. It was all good except for that little doggy that was at the door. Now, that's They that's protected the dog. Heart. They that's protected you the dog. You've got to be careful of a dog in a horror movie, don't you? Yeah. Wow. That looks fabulous. Wet your whistle, has it? It has. Yeah. So it's nice to see my fancy. Australia, Australian horror, like we do it sparingly, but we do it well. I've like been in a horror movie in Australia. When you look at the Babadook and stuff like that, we do, we do off-the-rails horror quite well. Yeah, the one that I did um, was with the dude from Home and Away. I keep forgetting. Oh, sorry, it's oh. playing again. I got all excited there. Um, oh, what's his name? The big hunky dude? That That's a really good description, isn't it? <laughs> I Lincoln f- Lewis. I, no, no, no. <laughs> it's from a while ago. Hang on. If I look up my name on IMDb. Look up your IMDb. She yeah. can't remember. What, she's so prolific. Oh. She doesn't even remember what movie she's <laughs> been in. Oh, I'm so busy. <laughs> I haven't done anything for a while because this bloody work took over. Um, all right. Anne Rekovich. Uh, oh, there's one coming out. It's supposed to be coming out. Oh. Um, Beast No More oh. was the one I did. I played the role of Greta. And there is another one called Water Horse. Oh. Which is a paranormal investigator links a bizarre string of unseemingly re- uh, related events, unrelated events to something. And, um, so yeah. Anne's had previous experience with paranormal Australian cinema. Yeah. The, the lady that wrote the script for this had me in mind when she wrote the role. Oh. But um, I... I was better off as the quirky character. <laughs> Ooh la la, look at, look at I've just inspired a movie. <clears throat> yeah. What have you done today, Renata? Have you inspired a movie? I've, I've done nothing. Yeah, I've no, done me nothing, either. No. Renata, we were very adventurous today. We did go to a new coffee shop. Yes, we did, but it was like two minutes away. <laughs> we don't travel it was far. 30 seconds away, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, is, if you're, you're done. That's it. But that I, was fabulous. I, I want to know what people's favourite Australian scary movie is, if they have one. 
Oh, yes, please send it in right now. Let us know. 0490 So you'd have to text it in. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the number again. 0490 And when we come back, we'll have a look to see what yours was. We want to know. All right. Thank you, Cousin Steve. Thank you, ladies. Will, will we see you next week? Oh, look, I suppose I'll drop in. Oh, thank you. All right. We'll be back after this song. You're listening to Spooky Sundays with Anne and Renata on Newcastle Live. Oh, and look, we're back after the song with another story. I do believe it's Auntie Renata's turn now. What have you got for us, Renata? It is my turn. But I have to say, because um, we, my story is about one of the one of Germany's most haunted houses. Now we aren't actually going to this one, oh. but um, it's a good story. But as we sit here and record, right? Yes, we still do not know where to <laughs> investigate. I keep telling you, it's this. called mysterious adventures. We're not meant to know. We get there and go, oh, turn up we and go, what? Here? Um, so yes, we have no idea, and it's it's six days out. But <laughs> no idea where we are investigating. Oh. <sighs> so um, yes, it is going to. I, I am concerned that there's a lot of nights that they say that we'll be back inside by seven p.m. I'm going. We're ghost hunters. Yes, we we go out after seven p.m. Yes. Yes, what in the hell is going on? Anyway, um, I'm sure there will be hilarity um, when we get back, when we start explaining all of this stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Poor old Maria's probably knocked on all of these doors and they've gone, no, no. (laughs) Are the ghost grannies coming? (laughs) No. Especially Renata. No, Renata. Nine. That's it. It is verboten. (laughs) So I'm talking about House Fühlingen, uh, which is uh, <coughs> one of Germany's most haunted houses. Mm. Mm. Now, House Fühlingen is located in the village of Fühlingen on the northern outskirts of the German city of Cologne. This massive mansion was built back in 1884 by Edward, Eduard, Eduard Freiherr von Oppenheim. Uh, you know the thing about Cologne, don't you? What about it? It always smells nice. (laughs) Keep going. (laughs) I forgot that I've got cake over there. (laughs) I've just bought the cake. Keep going. I want to eat the cake now. (laughs) He he was a wealthy German banker and horse breeder. This is, (laughs) if you've forgotten who we're talking about, Edvard Edvard Freiherr. Okay. <clears throat> what Edvard most likely didn't know about back when House Fühlingen was constructed was that the eerie fact that the mansion stood upon the exact spot where the horrific Battle of Warrigan took place in 1288. Oh, not the horrific Battle of Warrigan. Warrigan, Warrigan. The Battle of Warrigan oh, no. is now considered to be one of the largest and most devastating battles in the Middle Ages. Over 1,000 lives were lost so in this one battle. With wooden spoons. No, and hundreds of soldiers were buried under the ground upon which House Fuligan is built. 
This bloody battleground thought to be one of the main reasons why House Fruligan to this day seems to contain negative energy and why some people have even decided to commit suicide within its walls. Could the ghosts of the past still roam its interior and bring bad luck with them? Now, I read in another article that it wasn't so much the fact that uh, the knights were killing each other. It was the fact that they fell off their horses and the (laughs) horses trampled them. Because they were in the armour and they couldn't get back up. All of the horses trampled them until they were minced meat under their feet. That's that's what killed most of them. Wow. Now, one of Edward's primary purposes with the House Furligan property was to establish a horse breeding facility. Oh, how ironic. It was one of his passions, and he even decided to build a racetrack for horses alongside the house. Giddy up. But ultimately, he failed in bringing his dream to reality. Since Edward didn't succeed with his plans, he made a decision to sell his house in 1907 to a new owner who planned to open a gravel pit on the property. Oh, hi-ho. Well, that that sort of makes sense, doesn't it? We go from uh, horse stud to gravel pit. Um, And he hoped that it would lead to financial gains. Um, What what about all the people? The horses. And and horses that are on the property, if, if, like... yeah. Did they just got put off from <clears throat> shoveling poop into shoveling gravel or I don't what? Know. Edward died two years after he sold House Fuligan. That was the other one. But even the new owners experienced bad luck and didn't succeed with their plan. Thus, even the mansion's second owner decided to leave House Fuligan with broken dreams and an empty wallet. Oh, now, that House- doesn't sound like it's bad luck. It sounds like it's bad business management. Well, see. Here, this is early 1900. So now we have um, World War One and World War Two, ah, yes. which has just destroyed everything. It's a bit like our pandemic, mm. which has just destroyed the, all the economy and everything that we had. And mm-hmm. yeah, so House Fuligan does have a role in World War Two. It um, during the war. Its massive interiors were used as a workspace for forced labourers imprisoned by the Nazi regime. Oh, here we go. Don't mention the Don't mention the war. It is said that one of those men, Edvard Margol, (coughs) was forced to work in House Fuligan and fell in love with the mansion owner's daughter, which turned out to be deadly for this poor 19-year-old boy from Poland. Oh, Oh, well, see... Oh, it's he, a Polish boy. He's gone anyway. No, I mean, they're Polish. Yeah. No, that's it. We're, oh, we've we've been was, there, done that, haven't he's we? He's probably a Polish Jew as well, poor Oh, on. no. When the owner found out about the man's feelings for his daughter, he killed him. This young man is reported to be the first person who died inside the house since it was built. Upon ending the World War, the ownership of House Fuligan yet again switched to a new person. Another Nazi. Mm-hmm. This man, who used to work as a Nazi judge, purchased the property under a false name to conceal his dark past. However, it didn't take long before the people of his neighbourhood found out the man's real identity. After he got exposed by the locals in 1962, he knew a rough punishment was awaiting him. Thus, he decided to kill himself with a gun on the second floor of this terrifying house. Uh, Now, all 
of the above would be enough for some truly terrifying ghost stories in the appearance of the paranormal, but all of the histories weren't written yet. After the death of the Nazi judge, the city of Cologne decided to buy the property since no one else was interested in owning this cursed house. They decided to make some changes. One of these was destroying the mansion's wings for good. Oh, no. They they just (sighs) trashed it for the sake of trashing it. Interestingly, people still live there until the beginning of the 21st century, although there are no records of who these people were and what their faith was. Bad luck must have persisted there, though, because the oh, house... Let's blame bad luck. Yep. <clears throat> the house was officially shut down in, two, in the year 2000. Even that wasn't the end of the haunted home story. Even though the house was now completely abandoned, two more people were found dead in its interior in recent years. Upon investigation, both were found to have committed suicide. It is now long over 100 years since the massive complex of House Fuligan was built... It was built to be a prosperous place for its owners, but the house didn't bring any luck to anyone whatsoever. It attracted only displeasure to its unfortunate owners and residents. There are not many places that are plagued with negativity as this mansion. Death seems to lurk there, which is most likely the reason nobody except for the paranormal enthusiasts and ghost hunters want to cross its threshold ever again. And it's huge. In its heyday, it must have been an amazing building. Yeah. It's it's still intact? Um, Because they were destroying the wings and things. No, it's it's, um, three stories. The the bottom floor um, looks like it has a a walkway um, and like arches. So you can sort of walk across the the bottom area and the the rooms are um, sort of further in. I love how you're using your hands again on radio to describe. So it's it's got this beautiful walkway, I'd say, um, in in front. And then you've got two more stories up the top. The second story has um, um, across the windows, it has uh, like steel or iron, iron. A wrought iron things or yeah, pretty things? Across, the wrought iron things. Um, <laughs> With little twirly things on the end of them yeah. that sent to their father's messages <laughs> of joy. And and the top floor just has black holes where probably <laughs> glass windows were. Um, it probably would have been a spectacular building. Yeah. Um, but now it does look like an absolutely haunted, haunted mansion. Would I go inside? My oath. <laughs> Bloody hell, yes. In an absolute split second. All right. Well, we're going to sign off for this one and we'll be back with more after the song. Spooky Sundays with Anne and Renata on Newcastle Live. Welcome back, everyone, to the Spooky Sunday Show with your hosts, Anne and Renata. And while we are away gallivanting around um, the um, German townships and Prague and everything else that they are trying to move us away from, get out. Get out now. Move on. (laughs) I've been studying up on Prague and uh, they're known for absinthe there, which I thought was unusual. Mm. But then I did a little bit more research. Absinthe make the heart grow (laughs) fonder. 
No. no. Um, oh, hang on. I, I could have done this. Hang on. I don't know if it's going to work. You might hear it, guys. I don't think I can hear it. Can't hear it there should have been laughter there. Mm. It's probably still going because the light's still on. Mm. Um, yes, apparently some of the people in the Czech Republic can be a little bit naughty. Is that true? They can. Uh, and with their absinthe, mm-hmm. it's not real absinthe. Isn't it? No, it's a little bit of alcohol with some green colouring, sugar and some herbal flavours. And the real absinthe should have none of that. So I've been watching the Honest Tour Guide and he was he took an absinthe specialist in mm-hmm. and they were picking up all the, the different bottles of the the alcohol that you could buy in the supermarket mm-hmm. and every single bottle of absinthe that was there was a fake absinthe. There you go. Oh, I learned so much. The Americans are going to hate us because mm. I'm going to be a know-it-all. They're going to buy some and go, oh, look, we bought absinthe. And I'm going to go, oh, no, you didn't. It's fake. They're going to kill me. All right, I have a story for you and you're going to like this because it's a Polish-German one. Mm. So you can correct me on all my Polish pronunciations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this one, oh, I read it before, now I can't remember. Um, our story begins with a seemingly ordinary man, man, man Matusas Kaveki, K-A-W-E-C-K-I, Kaveki. Kavetsky. Well, there's no ski in there. Uh Kavetsky, all right, living in a content life in Hanover, Germany. He had a normal job, a loving fiancé and a future filled with dreams. Everything seemed fine until March 28, 2018. This is recent, Mm -hmm. when things took a very unexpected turn. Now, uh, Matus, as we're going to call him, because that's the wine I used to drink when I was 16, (laughs) embarked on a journey to the village of Lipogora, how do we say that? Lipia Gora? Gora in Poland? Gora. Gora, which means hill or mountain. Okay. So at Lipa would be the, the fat suctioned out of the thighs made no, into a mountain? It's, no, it's actually a type of tree. Oh, okay. So it's a tree hill. Uh, to be by his fiancé's side for the birth of their child. Little did he know that this trip would be the catalyst for a series <coughs> of very strange events, plunging him into the realm of the unknown. Plunge. As Matusa's fiancé eagerly awaited his arrival the following morning, anxiety crept in as the hours ticked by with no sign of him. A text message arrived claiming that Matus was running late due to heavy traffic. But as the day wore on, worry turned into panic. Desperate for answers. Now, just remember, she's heavily pregnant. Matusa's loved one reached out, but no one had heard from him. His cell phone remained silent, despite repeated attempts to contact him. With each passing day, the mystery deepened and the authorities were contacted. Polish and German authorities embarked on a search for Matus with their efforts, but their efforts yielded no results. Although his cell phone had been used for several days after his disappearance, it had never connected to a Polish network. Surveillance cameras at the border revealed no evidence of him crossing, which just left everyone completely perplexed. 
So the family got very frustrated by the lack of progress and they decided to take matters matters into their own hands, which is something that happens quite often in these sorts of cases. Yeah. They conducted their own investigation, retraced his steps, questioned witnesses, plastered missing person posters far and wide, yet their search proved fruitless, leaving them with more questions than answers. They were just giving up hope when a grim twist would emerge. Oh, we do like a twist. Oh, no. What happened? So we're up to September 12th. Was he eaten by a bear? Well, <laughs> possibly. Uh, now, Matusa's <coughs> mother received a visit from a neighbour who had noticed a foul stench emanating from her barn. Oh, no. What they discovered inside was beyond horrifying. The police were called to the scene and amidst the gruesome discovery, they found the badly de- decomposed remains of a person. It was Matus Kovetsky. His deca- decapitated torso lay nearby and his head, though deteriorated, both signs of bore signs of injury. The barn's attic had become the chilling resting place for his remains. But the enigma continues to deepen because Matusa's belongings was discovered within a backpack in the barn, including a cell phone, wallet and an orange juice box, a beverage he was known to despise. The strange clues only added to the confusion surrounding his fate. The Polish authorities shockingly deemed Matusa's death a suicide and dismissed any evidence of foul play. They claimed he had hung himself or hanged himself, causing his head to detach as decomposition progressed. However, his family vehemently denied this possibility, believing the the investigation had been botched. And sadly, in cases of suicide, the family haven't seen it coming. No. And they are completely shocked Mm -hmm. and will be in complete denial about it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But is that the case here? Meanwhile, German authorities embarked on their own investigation and the the Germans like to do a good job. In my research, I found the Germans like to follow the rules. Okay. Don't don't try to change anything. Just Mm -hmm. follow the rules and we'll be fine. So they unearthed even more perplexing details. It was revealed that Matus had lied about his location and had never headed towards his fiancée's house. Instead, he had travelled to Frankfurt uh, and de Oda, Frankfurt and de Oda, uh, and then to the Polish town of Slubitschi, I don't know how you say that. S-L-U-B-I-C-E. Even you're stumped. Right, where uh, security footage showed him checking into a hotel with an unidentified person. Oh, oh. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. The puzzle continued to confound as Matusa's journey took him to Warsaw. Warsaw? Warsaw. 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 <laughs> and eventually in Zamosk, just miles away from his hometown where his lifeless body was discovered. The whereabouts of his car remained unknown, leaving investigators baffled by the strange circumstances. <sighs> so what really happened? It's very baffling. What what truly happened to Matusa's journey why was he over there when he was meant to be there and he'd sent messages saying he was stuck in traffic was he the victim of a heinous crime or did he meet a tragic end by his own hand 
The bewildering web of clues and the mishandling of the investigation only adds to the chilling nature of this unsolved mystery. So sadly, we don't know what happened. And I can't give you anything more other than they're still researching it, trying to work out what happened. So you've you've given us... I've dangled a carrot. I know. You've dangled a carrot. You've given us... I've a dangled a first. A, a wurst. <laughs> a wurst. Bratwurst. <laughs> <laughs> oh, everyone's going to go off and Google now to see if they can find any further information. Yeah. You just can't do that, Anne. Well, yeah. What can I do? It was a, It's supposed to be a mystery. <clears throat> I've left it a mystery. Oh, She's not happy. Oh. Well, with that joy, I'm going to go... Go off to a song now, and we'll come back with something riveting after this. Okay. Spooky Sundays with Anna and Renata on Newcastle Live. Hey, everyone. Oh, you know, it's that time of the night. It is almost 10 o'clock, which means we're going to turn into pumpkins if we don't get off the air, Anne. Yeah, I think my bum is already a pumpkin. <laughs> of all the pastries oh, I've been eating in oh. Germany and, and oh. Prague. Yeah, so yep, we're we're yep. well and truly into Prague now. We've we're well and truly into twenty kilos extra. <laughs> well, you'd be pleased to know I did book an extra bag for us to fly from Prague <sighs> to Edinburgh because I had a feeling that you know it, it might make up for the extra weight we've put on no, from all the naughties we've been eating. My goodness. Anyway, we are just going to finish off our Prague trip. So the twenty third. Uh, of July, which I think it is what it is in Australia. Mm-hmm. We're going to be in Old Town Prague. Oh, can't wait. We're going to be staring at the oldest clock. Now, yeah. I had to say that very carefully, yes. clock. And we're going to go and rub something on the Prague Bridge. Yes, and if you listen to the Charles Street, uh, Charles Bridge uh, True Hauntings podcast, mm-hmm. you'll, you'll know exactly what we're going to rub. And you'll know why we shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Are we going to? Oh, well, I'm just going to take the hand sanitizer as we mentioned okay. earlier. Uh, we're going to be checking out the. Now, how do we say that river? Voltava? Voltava River? Okay. Yeah, and the Chernin Palace and the Prague Castle Vit- Vitus Cathedral. Mm-hmm. No, not so, another cathedral. No, no, another no. bloody church. Then we're going to have our farewell dinner with everyone. Yes. We'll be clinking glasses and definitely not drinking palinka or whatever that crap is. And no, we're, we're doing schnapps. schnapps. Schnapps, that's right. Oh, do, Is that what they drink in Prague? In oh, Czechoslovakia? No, oh, sorry, I don't know. Czech Republic? I don't um, know what they drink know. over there. It'll be something mortal, Might be mortally, mortally dan- dangerous. Oh, but we'll have to have a shot of whatever the local drink is to cheers everyone goodbye and we get on a plane on the 25th of July and we're heading to Edinburgh and this is where Renata and I shall part ways. Oh no! She's going to get picked up by her other travel buddy, Gail, long-time friend. Oh, I've I've had a look at. Oh my god, <laughs> I've had a look at what the local drink of the Czech Republic is. Yeah, it's called Becherovka, and it is thirty-eight percent alcohol. Oh, lordy me! <laughs> does, is, does it have a flavour, or is it just alcohol? Oh, oh, oh! The staple <coughs> hot alcoholic drink in Prague is hot mulled wine. Oh, I can do that. We'll go for that. Yeah, even though it'll be summer, I will happily drink that. Oh, oh! 
Okay, that's right. It's called Gluevine. <gasps> Remember Gluevine? Now that sounds yeah. Fond I, I memories of the markets in England in mm. just before Christmas. All right, and in Czech it's called Svarek. All right. So we know exactly what to get. Meanwhile, do you want to tell them about your long-time buddy? Oh, Ren- yes. Um, Ren- yes. Renata, what's her name? Gail. 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 So I'm going to uh, meet Gail uh, once we get to Edinburgh. And uh, we are then going to go travelling in our um, different direction. You're going north. Yes, we're going north um, <clears throat> to the wall. And uh, <laughs> we're going up towards Aberdeen and uh, Gail lives in Aberdeen, so she's going to show me a little bit around Aberdeen and um, we might do a ghost walk if there is one there oh. and uh, see what we can find that's a little bit spooky. Now, remember, the sun won't be going down until about 11pm. <laughs> we're not so, joking either. So we will not need a torch. We will not be doing anything in the dark, but we're still going to be doing as much as we can. And Roman and I are hiring a Tesla. Well, I'm very excited about this. And we're going to go left and head across towards Glasgow and then up a little bit. We're going to stay at a haunted pub for the night. That was actually recommended to us by one of our listeners. Mm. And then we're going to jump on a car ferry and it's going to take us across to the Isle of Isla where we're going to be chasing spirit of a different kind. And I will be the designated driver for this because Roman is the one that loves his Isla Scotch. Now, that's spelled I-S-L-A-Y, Isle of Isla, and they're famous for their peated scotches. And he's going to go on some of the, the scotch tasting tours, and I'm going to very happily drive him from place to place. And I have found some ghost stories from the Isle of Isla. And I'm going to be telling you guys about that next week. Awesome. It's a tiny little island with lots of sheep. Last time we were there, Roman got himself quite uh, tipsy and was uh, hanging out the window of the guest house going, Sean! Sean, because there was a sheep that was stuck down in the fence. It just he was determined to get to his girlfriend in the next paddock, and uh, yeah, he oh there goes the phone. It's always the way, isn't it? Um, he was determined to get to the the girlfriend and was barring loudly. So Roman screaming out the window, going, "Sean, the sheep! I hear you!" And oh, it was quite awkward. Anyway. That's us. We're done. Yes. Let's get out of here. So we uh, please, please, please keep listening to the show while we are away. Um, we really, really um, enjoy pre-recording all of these things so that you don't miss out um, while we are away. And absolutely we'll have plenty of stories to tell when we get back. Even Cousin Steve came in and did pre-records. I yeah. love it. So thank you everyone for being here with us. Uh, we are going to say goodbye. Remember to stay spooky. Be frightfully good. See you on the dark side and don't, don't be, be a, a dickhead. dickhead. Bye, Bye. everyone. Bye.